Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast, and I am joined this week by Kyle Mackey. Kyle, what's up? Oh, you know, uh, I'm doing well. Just, you know, kind of disappointing loss last night, but, uh, you know, we'll get into it. I think that, that we saw a great effort, but it, you know, it just wasn't enough, and I think that for San Antonio, they uh, they got what they probably think they deserved, you know? It was, you know, they, we... Uh, put a drubbing on them last time we played them. So for them to be able to get a result, it's, uh, you know, well-earned for them. Yeah, the the better team won this match uh, on Saturday, but it wasn't a total downer week. We did win on Wednesday, and that's probably where we should start is with Wednesday's match, a tough 1-0 win over RGV. Do you have any thoughts on the whole week before we get into that? I mean, it, it, we'll, I'll start on Wednesday. Um, I mean, you know, the, it was the typical, I think, Wednesday night, dollar beer night crowd, uh, but a good crowd, I thought, for considering, you know, we were playing a team that I think they sit, yeah, 15th in the table right now, so not a huge draw, but uh, it was a difficult match. And I, given the history with RJ, RGV, they've always been a defensive-minded team, always been very tough to break down, and um, we saw that Wednesday night. I mean, it was... The first half, uh, there was not much to write home about. It was pretty quiet, quiet half for Phoenix. But um, I mean, all in all, I think it was a good effort. Uh, did you want to get into it? Yeah, I think we can. And uh, one note on that crowd: it was five thousand three hundred seven there. So very good crowd for a Wednesday night, uh, especially, you know, still very hot this week. I think kickoff temperature was still around a hundred. So uh, good to see that many people out there. And yeah, the first half was, it was quiet. I think quiet is the right word. Not too many quality chances for either side. Um, you know, Billy Forbes kind of had a chance early that went way over. Um, you know, Kai Green of RGV picks up a yellow card, 12th minute. Evan Waldrop had one chance in the 21st minute. Billy Forbes gives him a ball and he makes his way up the right side. Cool to see Waldrop get a start, by the way. That's his second start now. Um, with Phoenix rising um, but his shot his shot misses um, you know a good effort there and not too much else to speak of really um, a couple half chances nothing to show for it there was a penalty shout right before halftime um, you know some people felt pretty passionate about that uh, what was your view on that play you know for me um, 
I I don't think this referee was going to call a penalty in that situation, and I'm I'm just going to say that it's because we didn't see a lot called in that match. We did see the yellow card for for Kai Green, but beyond that, I think that the ref kind of let it let the match play itself out, and um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that it's a, a serious you know definite yellow or definite penalty kick. So for me, I don't have a huge issue with the ref not uh, not calling it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair take. We were both in supporter section, so difficult to see, um, but you know, it just didn't get called. So we go to the second half, and um, it's really RGV with the first quality chance of this match. Um, this comes off of just a really bad defensive lapse, uh, where RGV is able to counterattack, uh, get up the field get a really, really strong um, attempt. Let's see, what minute was this? Was this, I want to say this was the 50th minute, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 50th so, minute. Yeah, so first, um, I think it was like Carlos Small getting the ball to Jordan Jones. Um, mm -hmm. You think that Small's going to shoot the ball. Uh, he actually slides it off to Jones, and then Jones looks like he has an open net. And uh, somehow Tristan Blackman gets over to save this shot that was goal bound. Um, you know, I was talking about this with one of my friends. Jones really should have scored that. He could have just taken a touch and then rolled the ball between Blackman and the keeper, Wazinski, because, you know, Wazinski had to dive to the other side, so he was out of position. Um, so the goal was just there for the taking. He didn't, he didn't even need to shoot it like where he did as quick as he did. Um, a little more composure there would have been a sure goal. But still, incredible for Blackman to get over and, you know, give us a chance there and block that shot just inches wide. Um, but it, it, regardless of the great save, defensive issues. Uh, we saw it a couple times in this match, and you hate to pick on certain people, but Mike DeFont looked a little flat-footed on that play. Um, Musa looked a little flat-footed on that play. Like, what were your thoughts? Um, I mean, the two guys you listed, I think you had it spot on. Um, Defont, I think he did look a little flat-footed, but I wonder if that's a product of him not getting as much game time as we saw in the earlier part of the season. You know, since uh, since we've had Abdul Salam and Blackman come in to shore up the back line, it really seems like Defont's kind of not fallen out of favor, but just not seeing the field as much. And I wonder if that played into it. And, um, you know, we didn't see him start last night against San Antonio and the same for Musa, you know, he, he had, he didn't have the best match against RGV. And I think, uh, last night against San Antonio, he did not play very well at all. So for both of them, some defensive laps and yeah, I mean, I, and that's one thing that stands out for me is against a, more of an inferior opponent in RGV. We were able to get away with those kinds of mistakes and come out with the clean sheet. Um, but, but we saw last night against San Antonio that if you make those mistakes against a, a top quality team that San Antonio is, you will be punished. So I think we can see the difference in the two teams right there. But I just want to say that for me, I had never heard Carlos Small's name before that uh, RGV match. And I mean, he made quite the impression. He had a 
he was everywhere. I mean, I just feel like everything for RGV was going through him. Every every shot, every pass, it seemed like it was coming off of his boot. So, um, I mean, he had a great match. He really, I think he'll be something that the USL will uh, will definitely want to hold on to going forward. And I'm sure that the Houston Dynamo will be taking a long look at his tape. Um, a few yeah. minutes, <laughs> yeah. A few minutes later, Devin Vega has a chance, and this is actually a great play. He he takes the ball from like around midfield, uh, one of those just awesome attacking runs that we were fortunate enough to see a lot of from Alessandro Rigi last season. Gets this attacking run going, gets past a few defenders, gets close to the 18, takes a crack, and this ball really didn't go over the bar by too much. Um, so a great effort there. That would have been a banger of a goal. Um, just maybe like a foot over the bar. But um, to create something out of nothing, I think at the very least, it looks good for him and maybe it gave the guys a spark because four minutes later, we finally get the breakthrough. Um, kind of a long a long uh, cross here. And I, I don't remember who took this um, free kick, but it kind of went over everyone's heads. Um, and that was a theme on several of our set pieces. Asante had a couple rough ones before that. So I think Billy Forbes took this one. And it kind of went over yeah. his heads. Kavon Freider gets a small uh, piece of the ball to deflect it, which throws off that defender a little bit. Um, and then that gives Asante the chance to take a touch, set his feet. And when the ball is on Asante's right foot and he is within the 18-yard box, he always will rocket that ball into the net. And that's what he does. He, he rockets it, creates that space bang, 1-0, and really a goal out of nothing. Um, I wouldn't say against the run of play, but there was really like no quality uh, leading up to that goal. It was just like Asante putting the team on his back there. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. Um, I mean, just, you know, took the game by the scruff of the neck, um, as, as many people would say. And, I mean, I, for me... I feel like up until that point, this match was heading towards a nil-nil draw. You know, we we hadn't really seen... It seemed like that night for Phoenix, that we just couldn't get that clear-cut great chance and finish it. It just seemed like, once again, that long break, we lacked the finishing coming off of it. And, um, I mean, it's, for me, Asante to step up and just take that captain's role i mean he's embraced it and i think there's no doubt about it he is the out and out captain when he's on the field and um i mean he he his effort and carl lazinski's and tristan blackman's single-handedly got us those three points yeah and i, I think that's three-handedly i should say <laughs> <laughs> definitely the three stars if you're gonna do it hockey style but um yes <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe throw a third one to small but uh Um, really like and this is something that you need to credit this team for because last season we have a great season but there were a lot of these matches where we weren't playing our best and they would end up as nil-nil draws or maybe a frustrating late draw or a loss Um, how many games last year was it where we would concede a late goal and it would end up being a draw or we'd fall behind early we'd have to catch up late for a draw we are finding ways to win those matches now even when we're not playing our best, we're finding ways to hang on. We're finding ways to get the full three points, and that's why we're close to the top this year instead of 
just trying to get home field. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're we're putting ourselves in better situations to take points from matches than we were last season. I mean, you made a great point last season. We so often had to to claw our way out of a hole or, you know, put ourselves in a terrible situation right at the death and that was just so disheartening for the team and to be able to, you know, get great results after that was just so much tougher but now when we're able to put ourselves in these good situations and you know get grind out the one nil victories against a team that you know they've always been difficult rgv they they it seemed like they were willing to let us come at them on wednesday night they really just sat back and let tyler derrick you know work in the net and he had a great match i think their defense is a really solid defense i think that once RGV gets their attack and their midfield figured out, I think they're a USL team that uh, will compete for playoffs. So, um, I mean, good good result for Phoenix. I think that, I mean, you you were absolutely correct. One of these games that I don't I don't know if we get a win if this was last season. Right, and um, you know things were pretty comfortable up until the very end in this match. Like lots of great passing control of the match, uh, a couple subs right after that Asante goal. Asante comes off, and uh, Joshua Perez makes his debut, which was pretty cool to see. Uh, and then Chris Cortez also comes on for Kavon Frater. Um, and, you know, nice to see Cortez get some run there. I know the team was trying to give Frater a shot, and I think he did contribute a little bit to that match, but um, didn't quite have that cutting edge. So, really, the next 10, 15 minutes... We are in control. We're passing the ball around the back. No great chances for RGV, and everyone's pretty comfortable with a 1-0 win until the 89th minute, where what is going on on this play? Seems simple enough. RGV has the ball just outside our 18, but it seems like there are a lot of guys back there, and the only explanation I can think of is we try to play an offside trap. Uh, Problem is... Defont and um, who else was in the middle there on that play? I think it was Defont and Musa both kind of just stood there. Um, and then Blackman was on the other side. He was trying to track back, but he couldn't really track back. No one really knew their positioning. And so Nicholas uh, Perea slides the ball through to Carlos Small, who was onside, and he just has the whole goal in front of him. And I'm thinking for sure that's a goal. And somehow, maybe not the best shot, but Carl still comes up with a massive save. A massive save. And ultimately, we were able to clear the ball. And no, I mean, it was nervy after that, but nothing like that we had to deal with. And we get that 1-0 win. But, you know, two major defensive errors. It's just unacceptable, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, I mean, we talked about it against a better team, a team that's been scoring goals this year, which has not been RGB's strong point. Against a San Antonio, and pretty much any top eight team, they're going to score in that situation. And that's the difference between us taking a 1-0 and three points and making a 1-1 and one point. So, or yeah, a 1-2, I mean, we lose. Well, and I was just going to say, and it, it could have gone even worse because, like we talked about in the past— when Phoenix concedes that one goal, there's always that push by the team to push and get that second. And in the past, we we have conceded that. So, I mean, yeah, it, it was 
huge for Carl to come up with that save, and and luckily, you know, we weren't hurt. But I mean, yeah, you're you're spot on in that we are letting these little mistakes go, and though we're not always being punished for them, we are going to be punished for them eventually. And if it comes in a playoff match, there's not going to be a tomorrow after that, and that's that's when you can't have any mistakes. So it's something that we need to tighten up because we've gone too far this season and been too solid defensively to be letting these mistakes happen now. I mean, just a weird match. Uh, you look at the stats, we have more shots, 13 to 10, but they have six shots on target. We only have two. Um, so really poor shooting accuracy. Um, even on shots inside the box, we got seven shots inside the box, and yet only two of those hit the target. Um, defensively, they had a better tackle success rate. Um, we did have more possession, especially in that second half. And I do like the passing accuracy in this match. We had 86% passing accuracy. That's possibly our highest number of the season. It's definitely up there. And 578 passes is one of those, one of the highest numbers there for the season. But still, really, RGV had the two best chances in that match. Um, so we got to do better. Uh, and maybe that's a good time to transition to that San Antonio match because that is a better team, and they did put a few on us. Yeah, yeah, they did. And, I mean, for me, it's it's how it happened um, that, that the match is really disappointing because, as we talked about, we put ourselves in a great position early on, and then uh, things kind of unraveled from there. Yeah, so, I mean, let's let's get into this San Antonio one. Um, I can give some play-by-play, -play, but Kyle, I think you saw more of this match, so fill in the blanks where I have them. Um, it was an interesting starting lineup. You see uh, Cortez get the nod up top. Uh, you see a lot of the same guys from Wednesday uh, get another crack at it. Uh, Musa, Defont, or no, actually uh, Farrell gets to start in the back on Saturday. Um, so that is a change from Wednesday. But Billy Forbes gets the start against his old team. Vega does not get the start against his old team. Um, and yeah, the, the lone guys, Blackman and Abdul Salam, see the field. Uh, interesting that Perez did not make the trip with the team. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe they're just getting him acclimated and maybe he starts the next match. But uh, that was just kind of interesting to see. Um, as far as the match goes, we've had an emphasis this season on putting ourselves in good positions, scoring early on the road. Up to this point, the key has been scoring early on the road. If we score in the first 20 minutes, undefeated on the road, 5-0, and if we don't score in those first 20 minutes, it has almost always been a disaster. I don't think we've won one match this season, other than the Los Dos match early in April, where we didn't score in the first 20 minutes. So... Um, sure enough, Chris Cortez comes through in the 15th minute. Uh, really nice cross from Solomon Asante. And he gets a great glancing header. Um, just quality. Uh, quality finish there. 14th goal of the season, which tied the club record. And at that point, you're thinking, great. This is a great start. You know, we're up. We can control the match. Defense can, you know, get into this. And we're in the driver's seat. Yeah, yeah, no, you, you, I mean, that's, that's actually 
what I was, I said it out loud. So I was watching the match. I was like, well, this is great. You know, we put ourselves in a great opportunity. We, uh, you know, San Antonio, they had the crowd behind them. The crowd was loud. And it seemed like right after that goal, they uh, kind of quieted down a little bit. But I mean, for me, great, great ball in by Asante. Um, just beautiful. We see it time and time again when he's out on that wing. You know, he's able to whip in those great balls. And for Cortez, I mean, it's just been a, a fairy tale year for him. It seems like every every time we're getting quality service to him in the box, he's putting it in the net. He's he's found his uh, his scoring form, and I mean, for me, we just need to keep getting him the ball, keep keep just feeding the beast because I mean, this form is gonna I think carry on into playoffs. Knock on wood. I mean, he's just been he's been all year. It seems like when we've needed him to step up, he's been that guy for us in Drogba's absence, and I think. It's really, really been huge for him to do that and huge for his growth as a player. And um, I just hope that Phoenix is able to hold on to him because I, I know a lot of teams are going to be watching his film after the season he's having. Definitely. Definitely everyone's going to be watching that film, uh, you know. And we'll, we'll get to it later in the match where he has another good moment. But first we've got to talk about 22nd minute um, where San Antonio equalizes and it's just a standard corner kick. Um, Joe Farrell is marking Cyprian Hedrick, and you would expect Joe Farrell to hold his own on a, uh, on a high set piece, like a ball in the box. Um, usually he comes through in those situations and actually has a knack for the ball when he's the guy attacking it. Uh, but here, Cyprian Hedrick gets a great run, beats him to the ball, and no doubter uh, smashes it into the net. Uh, just a great header, but you know, you would expect a little bit more on the marking there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's corner set pieces. You know, it's it's who's going to work harder. And in that situation, Sepri and Hedrick worked harder than anyone else on the field and was rewarded for it. Um, I mean, a disappointment that Farrell wasn't able to be there. I mean, he's such an aerial threat on the other side of the field, and even defensively. So for him not to be able to get up and just clear that ball out was uh, you know, disappointing, but uh, deserved goal. I thought the service by Lance Lang off the, the corner kick was also great. Um, just a great taken corner, just textbook. Yeah, and Lance Lang, I mean, I've been seeing it on uh, our USL Pro and other play, uh, pages that – he has been a big difference maker for San Antonio since he came over from FC Cincinnati. Um, I don't know how he wasn't able to see the pitch over there, but he is he is doing some good stuff in San Antonio and making a difference. And you see it with that quality service there. Um, you see later on when he converts a penalty. But let's not skip yeah. that far forward. Um, the next 10 minutes, nothing too crazy. Uh, San Antonio gets a shot that misses. But then the second goal, and this is another one where you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Um, just a bad pass by Colin Fernandez. Um, you know, playing it for Musa, but uh, Mike Seth gets there first. And Musa, maybe you would expect him to challenge that ball a little bit better and try to win that, get a foul. But um, he was second to the ball on that foot race, and then San Antonio's going the other way. Um, Seth leaves a good ball off for Evergood Guzman. He makes no mistake, and all of a sudden it's 2-1 off of really just a unforced error. 
even worse than the yeah. first goal. You know, the first goal, at least you can say, okay, it's a set piece. Um, maybe Farrell was a little concerned because he just picked up a yellow, and maybe that's why he wasn't being as aggressive in the air there. There's no excuse for this. Just a simple back pass gone wrong, and all of a sudden you're down 2-1 against a team that plays very well at home. Yeah, absolutely no excuse. Um, I mean, for me, it was after the first goal, um, it just seemed like we we got punched in the face and we didn't know how to respond. We didn't know whether to punch back or to just walk away. It seemed like we just we just didn't respond. And, and I mean, we see that in our play, not trying to push and, you know, get a goal and get back up in the lead to get it to 2-1 for Phoenix. Instead, we, uh, we make sloppy mistakes. And, yeah, I mean, uh, terrible, terrible pass by Fernandez. But for me, it's Musa's just complete lack of effort. I mean, he just doesn't even seem interested. And then when he does get beat by Mike Seth, he just turns around and looks at his defenders and just starts walking. And for me at that point, I, I mean, it just seemed like Musa didn't want to be out there that last night. Um, so very disappointing. I mean, Mike Seth, good to see him getting the start somewhere else. He was in Phoenix last year and didn't really see the field much at all. So good to see him still making plays. And, uh, yeah, his ball to Everett Guzman was just spot on, and Guzman smashed it into the net. So poor run of play for the Phoenix defense, great run of play for the San Antonio offense, and uh, we're down 2-1. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's kind of how it went. Going into halftime, uh, Rising starts to create a couple chances before halftime, um, but nothing, nothing significant, uh, nothing that really, really tests uh, Diego Restrepo in net. Um, Awako gets a shot in the 38th minute that can't find a target. Uh, and then San Antonio has a couple half chances themselves, but it goes into halftime 2-1, and uh, you, know, you hope to see a better response from the team going into the second half. But um, the second half starts, and instead they, they get a penalty and a goal. And uh, the penalty is conceded by Chris Cortez here, but I, I don't think that really does this play justice. Um, this is a guy that we haven't criticized yet, but um, on this play, he was wanting. Ball in the box, and Abdul Salam um, can't get a really good clearance on it. Um, kind of mishits it, kind of shanks it, and then the ball goes back to uh, Connor Presley for San Antonio. He gets fouled. Um, Cortez at this point is just doing anything he can possibly do because it's desperation time at that point. Otherwise, it's one-on-one -on -one with the goalie. And, of course, um, penalty is conceded, and Lance Lang puts it in. Um, Zach Lubin actually did a good job there. He guessed the right way and got a hand to it, but uh, Lang had a lot of pace on that kick. So it, it scoots into the goal. Now you're looking at 3-1. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and at that point, I mean, just wind completely out of Phoenix's sails and into San Antonio's. Um, for me, I mean, you can't be upset with Cortez there. I mean, he's a striker putting in a tackle in a tight situation. Um, you know, he's he tried to make the best out of it, and unfortunately he got caught. Uh, just, I mean, I was so bummed because I saw Lubin get his hand to it, but I mean, Lang, it was just, it was all power, not not much placement there. Um, just, you know, went and drove the ball into the back of the net and went through Lubin's hand and 
and into the goal. So just disappointing. But um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, like you said, we expected us to come out at halftime. You know, you expected Shantz to to tighten things up and to get them motivated and get the attack going, and that just didn't happen. So to go down 3-1, it was, at that point, it was just, you kind of knew that uh, for Phoenix to get something out of this, it was going to be, be a really difficult uphill task. Right. Uh, San Antonio, not the kind of team that concedes two goal leads at home. Um, so the game goes on. Uh, Musa is the first sub off, and Kevon Freider comes on to replace him. You know, I, I am sure that Rick Schantz had some words for Musa post game, but, you know. And Schantz is a guy that values effort. He really values effort. If the guys are giving their all, but the execution isn't always there, that's one thing. But if he feels in any way that someone's giving less than 100%, they are gone. And he will let it be known very, very uh, strongly that something needs to change. So uh, Kivon Freider comes in. Rising has some better passing sequences. Still not putting too many chances on frame. Um, and you talked about a lack of urgency. Um, you know, it really did seem like there was kind of a lack of urgency. Like, okay, pass, 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 get a half chance. Um, but really, until Cortez's goal, uh, not too much to speak of. No, no. And, and we did, Phoenix did have a a own goal um, overturned, but looking back at the replay, it was rightly so. When Dia gets that ball um, and puts a, a cross into the box that ends up going off the defender, I think it was Cyprian Hedrick into the back of the net. Um, Dia was in an offside position, so that made it 2-3 at that point, and then it was called back. So disappointing that, uh, you know, that didn't, luck didn't fall in our favor, um, but I mean, yeah, just a lack of urgency. I mean, we made two offensive substitutions, if you want to look at it that way, bringing on both Kavon Freider and Devin Vega for James Musa and Colin Fernandez. So, I mean, in in my mind, I saw Shantz's game plan of, okay, we're already down 3-1. We're going to throw the kitchen sink at him and go for it. You know, what's, you know, one point's better than zero, and that's what we're looking at right now. So, um, I really love the substitutions, but we just didn't see the shots that we expected, the opportunities, you know. It just seemed like one of those nights that it was just, you know, lack of urgency and just kind of um, just static in our attack. So uh, ended up not being our night, but, you know, yeah, that Cortez uh, opportunity, I know we were getting to that. And for me, um, I mean, just time after time, Cortez is just always – showing up in big ways and he's showing he can score in about any form any kind of way so for him to get that opportunity and bend that ball around the wall um totally caught uh the keeper out and uh great goal yeah good to see there um so it gets to the 87th minute um asante is still playing hard he gets a free kick and cortez gets to take it which is kind of cool because a lot of times you wouldn't see cortez get a free kick in that kind of situation but um, really a clever idea here to just keep it low because it's really tough to dip it over the wall and in unless you're like Messi or Ronaldo from that kind of spot. So he does the next best thing, tries to go around the wall, and sometimes this works because it took a very small touch and uh, got perfectly into that corner. Um, but just a really good idea there 
good execution because I think even without a touch, uh, that ball was goal bound um, and really tough to save. So at that point, you're thinking, okay, maybe there's a small chance. And then Phoenix did push for it those last few minutes. Um, Chris Cortez got a header, couldn't put that on frame. Asante had a, uh, a shot, but it goes right to, right to the keeper. Um, you know, a couple, a couple chances there at the end. Um, Kevon Freider and Billy Forbes getting in on the action. So nervy moments for San Antonio, but uh, ultimately no equalizer. So it finished 3-2. Yeah, yeah. But, and that's the thing is for me, it, it, we, knew, we knew that we were still in this match. After, you know, after that third goal, it seemed like towards the 60th, 65, 70th minute, San Antonio was just going to sit back. They really weren't pushing for for another goal. So for Phoenix, I mean, we could see it. I could see it on the TV. The game was ours for the taking. And so for us not to push until the 87th minute after we get that Cortez goal, it's you know it's kind of disappointing because I think I think that had we pushed from the time that Devin Vega came on the field, I think we could have came out with a, some kind of result. So disappointing, but. San Antonio deservedly got the win. For sure. So uh, finishes 3-2 there. Um, and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of tough things from that match, but I think we should focus on one positive, and that positive is Chris Cortez uh, setting the club record with his 15th goal of the season in that 87th minute. Um, what are your thoughts on, like, Chris Cortez having a career year, and he's an older play, not old, but older by USL standards. Um, I don't think anyone could have predicted the role that he's had with this team this season. Um, coming off a season last year where he was really just like a, a rotation player and a spot starter. Yeah, I, I no, think that's I mean, what people were expecting at the start of this season. And then he just comes up big, very opportunistic, and gets 15 goals. And we still have a month left. I don't think anyone would have expected it, especially given all of the players that we brought in in the offseason. All these new attacking pieces, you know, Billy Forbes, Devin Vega, Kavon Freider, um, the list goes on and on. And, and for me, for Cortez to still step up, and we all know that Drogba's been absent, so for him to do it in such a critical time and to be the leader and the out-and-out goal scorer on this team, he's scoring in every different way. Um, I mean, just just huge. And I mean, yeah, in a, t in a point of time in his career where, I mean, he's by no means out of his prime, but a little bit in the later stages. And pe I think people knew what they could expect from Chris Cortez. And I think this season he's shown them that he, ha he has a lot more than what, uh, what people have been saying that he's capable of. Yeah, and what I love the most about Cortez is like how opportunistic he's been with his chances. Um, that he always brings a good attitude. I mean, sometimes he's not going to have the best performance, but I think he's always giving his 110%. And that's all you can ask. All you can ask is that he's giving his 110%. I mean, yes, there are days where, like, you know, maybe most of the guys on the field are, like, four or five years younger than him, and it shows, and they're winning those 50-50 balls. Every once in a while that happens. But then you see days where he's winning those balls, and he's getting on the end of some, you know, good balls, but not great balls, where he still has a lot to do. 
and he scored some clutch goals this season too. The winner against Sounders, two the winner against Orange County. Um, you know, two clutch goals to even give us a chance against San Antonio yesterday. It's not just the goals he scored, but the timing of these goals. The goal at St. Louis, which was just a rocket. He has been money for us this year. And, you know, in the past, okay, sometimes he'll score goals, but they're not necessarily the big clutch goals. This year he has gone above and beyond everyone's expectations. And, I, I mean, I think the strongest argument for Team MVP is going to be Asante when it's all said and done. But there's a really strong argument. You can say Cortez is our MVP because if you look at the most valuable player, we haven't had Drogba for almost this whole season. I don't know if anyone else could have stepped into that role and performed the way he has. No, no. You're absolutely right. And, I mean, f- from a fan standpoint, to see the growth and the progression of Chris Cortez, you know, over the past three seasons, it's been, it's been amazing. Uh, he's... I mean, he's stepped it up so much, like you said. He's now a guy that, you know, we're able to count on in those tight situations and come through in the clutch. And he's been doing it. And as far as the MVP discussion, um, I mean, for me, I kind of would have to say he is because most goals in, on the team and in uh, soccer, I think games are decided by goals most of the time. So, I mean, for me, it's... <laughs> <laughs> most of the time we know, we know it's not always the situation but uh i mean he's been huge in 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 the absence of you know a world superstar that didier drogba is um i mean it's it's something that i think he should be very proud of and i think phoenix should be very proud of because it could have been easy for us to go and try and sign another big name or or you know look for someone else or try to make you know, a different player fit in that position. But, you know, we've had faith in Cortez, and I think he's repaid everyone back uh, 15 times over. For sure. Um, <clears throat> well, on that note, I think we can uh, preview the next match against Sounders 2 before we get into team news, USL scores, and all that good stuff. Um, so, I mean, you look at this match, it's... Is it going to be next Saturday or next Sunday? I feel like it might be next Sunday. Sounders likes to play a lot of home matches on Sundays, but let's see. Um, I thought it was Saturday. Hold on. I got the page. It is Saturday. Okay. Yep. Typical Saturday, and at 7, actually. So not not far from our routine. So that'll actually be nice. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, this is a team that, you know, has not had a great season. Um by any stretch of the imagination, they are towards the bottom. I don't know if they are currently at the bottom of the Western Conference, but um, if not, they're pretty darned close. Um, you know, they just lost they're, 3-0 to Republic. Republic. Yeah, they're in 16th right now. Um, one, one off the bottom, three points ahead of Tulsa Roughnecks, who's in 17th. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is a game, I think it's... For Phoenix, it's coming at a good time because we need a motivating large win right now by a large margin, and I think we can get just that against the Seattle team. Um, they just, you know, they've had a tough run of it this season, but that's not to say that Phoenix can just take them lightly and expect three points. Um, they're going to have to go out there and earn it. 
Um, I one thing that I I've been kind of thinking about it, and I think we'll see a little bit due to maybe the lack of effort by some players last night is uh, some rotation in the squad. I think we will see see a few different players from where, what we've seen uh, lately. But uh, I think that this match should be a good opportunity for Phoenix to pick up three points on the road. Yeah, I, I also really like this match being Joshua Perez's debut. Um, maybe this is cutting into team news a little bit, but uh, for those of you that didn't hear, during the week, I believe it was Wednesday, uh, Phoenix Rising signed Joshua Perez to a loan deal for the rest of the season. And Joshua Perez, for those who don't know, um, you know, grew up in Southern California. He was with the Fiorentina Academy for almost five years, made a Serie A appearance for them. Um, most of that time was spent on loan with a, uh, with a Serie C side. Um, so not the highest level, but he was getting some playing time at least. Then LAFC signs him in August, and one month later, he's getting loaned to us. So this is a guy, and he's, by the way, he is still only 20 years old. So this is a guy with a ton of upside, a ton of potential. Um, and really, like, we just get to have him for free, just evaluate him. Um, so that's really cool. And I, I think he's going to get the start against Sounders 2. I think that's one of those rotation pieces. And against a team like Sounders 2, you can evaluate those guys, um, really see what they're made of. Um, because, yeah, Sounders 2 has had a rough go of it. They have had some success in the last month. Uh, they've played a bunch of matches, and they've been blown out in a few. But they did beat San Antonio at home on August 11th. And they actually had three draws in a row uh, before losing to Sacramento. Um, they drew St. Louis, Orange County, and Tulsa Roughnecks at home. So, you know, not a team you can take for granted. Um, Orange County found that out the hard way last week. Um, they have Kaye Brown at goalie, who is actually a decent player uh, between the sticks. Um, other than that, not, not a bunch of household names for Sounders, too. Um, Tony Alfaro will be on suspension because he picked up a red card against Sac Republic. Um, so that's another guy you don't have to think about too much. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's an away match, but I, I feel pretty confident as long as our guys are, you know, playing to their full potential that this should be a win. Something like, something like 3-1. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a fair prediction. Um, yeah, for me, I, Josh Perez, I think that that's a great signing. And just just looking at him, I see a bit of a young Alessandro Rigi. Um, they're about the same size. And I think that he'll bring that same type of energy to the field. And I would love to see him get the start against uh, Seattle. I think it's great for the competitiveness in the team. And it'll be great to get some of these guys a rest. And um I think that as long as he has a good week in training, I think that that'll probably be Rick Schant's mindset. Um, so definitely a game that we should be able to get something out of. But as you said, they've drawn against two very solid teams in St. Louis and Orange County. So um, definitely something that we should pay attention to. But I think that for us, the biggest thing is if we can put in a couple goals, all those draws other than the 4-4 to Tulsa Roughnecks were low-scoring games. So I think if we can get, as we always say, a goal in the first 15 and then 
you know, another one and maybe make it 2-0 at halftime, I think we could uh, easily see a, see a win for a Phoenix. For sure. Um, and I think, really, that's all we need to talk about with that match. Um, you know, on paper, should be pretty solid. Um, going into the team news, you know, the big story was the Joshua Perez loan signing, uh, joining our other three loan signings. Um, for anyone who's curious, I wrote an article with BGN written um, about why I think those loan signings are going to make a huge difference for us come playoffs. Um, but that's enough for the self-plug. Um, the plug that I do want to give is to Solomon Asante. Uh, we saw his huge goal on Wednesday give us that important 1-0 win. And really, we've seen all year what he's done for us. Um, well, he's up for USL Player of the Month for the month of August. He is currently winning the voting, but it's very close. If you guys are listening in the morning, you have a few hours. Go vote right now. Um, the voting ends like Monday morning, like this morning, if you guys are listening on a Monday morning. So go and vote now if you have the chance. Um, we definitely want him to get all the recognition that he deserves. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just I just voted again for him, I'll admit. And uh, he's got 31% of the polls right now, but Cameron Lancaster from Louisville City FC is close on his heels at 27%. So, yeah, definitely get out there and uh, vote Asante because I think if you're a Phoenix Rising fan and even if you're not, I think you can uh, agree that he's put forth the effort to uh, earn this award. There's no doubt about it. Right, right, right. Um, so I think those are the big team news stories for the week, unless there's one that I've missed. Um, no, that's it. I mean, for me, um, one thing that I – not necessarily team news, but I'm, I'm hopeful and looking forward to is seeing Jason Johnson get back to, uh, to healthy. Um, I know if anyone's been, you know, checking his Instagram and stuff, he's been training and he didn't travel to San Antonio. He's been working to get fit. And though we haven't heard anything as far as uh, actual injury, he has been on the injury report. So I'm hoping that he, he gets back to health because I think that he's going to be a player that we're really, really going to need at this uh, run into the playoffs at the end of the season. Definitely. We definitely want all the options we can have and – of course, Jason Johnson would be a massive, um, you know, beneficial option for us there. So with that all being said, let's get to USL scores and standings. Um, this was just a wacky day in the USL Western Conference. Um, not just with us and our loss, but, you know, you go down the line. These were just bizarre, wild matches. And in almost every match, the team that scored first lost. Um, the one exception being St. Louis with a one nil win. You can't really lose if you're, <laughs> you can't really blow a one nil lead if it ends one nil. But, um, yeah, I did the math, <laughs> but really like a weird day. You go to the Monarchs match, they score an early goal off a set piece at RGV and they're cruising. They're up one nil 70th minute. Um, RGV gets an equalizer, um, you know, out of nowhere, you would not expect RGV to do that. Um, but they find an equalizer. And then six minutes later, 77th minute, um, Todd Wharton lines up a long free kick. And it's one of those plays where the ball bounces in front of the goal. No one gets a touch to it. 
and the keeper is kind of screened and then he gets fooled and reacts too late. Ball takes a weird skip off the turf, the keeper is frozen, can't dive over in time, and that's a humongous 2-1 win for RGV, helps us out immensely. Uh, we'll break down this race for the number one seed in a few minutes, but this is going to be a big help because really if, if Monarchs win that match coupled with our loss, we're running out of matches. So this keeps our hopes alive for that top seed. And then you go to um, Orange County OKC. OKC scores first in this match. Orange County ties it. Um, but then in the second half, uh, Dixon scores for OKC. They're looking good to win this match until the last two minutes of stoppage time. You know, fourth minute of stoppage time, Noah Powder gets an equalizer for Orange County. Um, and then the very, very end of it, you know, um, OKC's energy has a bad giveaway uh, that sets up OC going the other way. And Aiden Quinn uh, has a shot that, again, that keeper can only get a hand to. And it was, it was um, Byers for OKC, Casey Byers. Not the best, or actually, excuse me, there is another guy on OKC, Brian Byers. And they're spelled differently. Go figure. Um, this guy did not have a uh, ending of the match to remember. Um, both those goals he got a hand to, but I think both those goals he could have done better. And definitely that last goal. It was a, it was a shot that he could have saved, and he didn't. And Orange County gets the walk-off win, and that puts them temporarily atop the Western Conference. Um, you know, very frustrating result to see. And kind of a bad break for OKC because they've been fighting so hard, but they've also had a tricky end of the season. You know, last week they lose close one to St. Louis, but it is what it is. They just kudos to them for fighting hard, but they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, and then the match that we were all really looking for so much, Las Vegas Lights versus Los Dos. Um, yes, Las Vegas blows a 1-0 lead to lose this one 2-1. But, Kyle, take us through the real story from this match. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the highlight and the high point, if you will, for this match was uh, the Las Vegas Lights group dropping $5,000 cash down from a helicopter onto a, onto a swarm of fans on the field. And if you, if you want to look for the video, I saw it on the USL's Twitter page. Uh, it might be on the website later today. Um, I mean, it's just comical, and we talked about it. I mean, what won't this team do? <laughs> you know, it, it, they're just parody on parody, and I mean, is it was hilarious to watch. I mean, it seemed like the helicopter, the downforce from the propellers as the cash was being dropped, it was just spewing it all over the field. So you have people directly under the helicopter that then disperse and are just on their stomachs and stomping their feet to try and catch the cash out near the sidelines it's uh quite the spectacle and i i wonder what the largest take was from that who uh who collected the most cash i'd like to know that figure because it looked like that cash was just being blown around and some of it might have even ended up in the stands because it was just uh going everywhere but cool thing for the fans you know las vegas i mean they they lost the match last night and they haven't had much to uh much to talk about this season so to have that kind of a promotion for their fans it's probably a probably keeping morale a little bit higher than it it would be yeah i mean they've had things to talk about just not 
on-field success. Not performances. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this, uh, this admittedly does sound like one of those things where uh, the legal recreational weed in Nevada uh, was being smoked by a few people, and they're like, hey, what will we do to get people out to the stadium? And they're like, let's drop cash from a helicopter. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> I well, don't know how much like, thought process went into this because it's like semi-pro. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie yeah, with Will yeah, Ferrell, yeah. but it's like semi-pro to where the owner Jackie Moon just comes up with these ridiculous ideals. One night he'll fight a bear in the middle of the uh, the ring in a basketball court. So I mean, it's it's just it's just ridiculousness to try and get feet in the seats, I guess. But um, I mean. <laughs> It's entertaining to watch from an outside uh, from an outside perspective. Yeah, it's it's just uh, it seems pretty silly, um, but you know what? It's they're doing what they're doing, and that's that's gonna be on them, I guess. I mean, can't you just drop this stuff like at least in a bag or something so it doesn't spread as much? That's what I'm saying when I don't think they thought this through very well, but. <laughs> no, I, well, and, and ex- you have a great point. I mean, it's, it's kind of just simple, you know, science that if you had a huge helicopter, it's going to blow everything <laughs> below it and around it. And I'm sure, yeah, they weren't thinking about that because it looked like somebody was just taking the cash from a stack and just dropping it by hand out of the window. And yeah, I mean, I would think that like a cool way I would think to do it is to like, load it into those t-shirt guns and then like shoot that you know up into the sands or something um but i mean they did it they did it from a helicopter and uh that's how it went i guess <laughs> never changed Definitely las not. vegas never changed <laughs> it's just too much um okay so that that's that uh but really we when we get down to the nitty-gritty here and sacramento beats sounders 2 3 nil. that's okay whatever When we get down to the nitty-gritty, this is a three-horse race for the top seed in the West. Um, The picture is getting a little more simple now that the season is coming towards an end. Um, We have uh, uh, Orange County on 54 points, 29 matches played. Monarchs, 53 points, 28 matches played. And us with 53 points, 28 matches played. So, you know... Who is your pick out of those three teams to win the Western Conference? Because now there are so few matches, you can actually look at the team's schedules and kind of make a a prediction. Yeah, and we were talking about it earlier. Looking at the schedules, I'd have to say that I I think that Monarchs actually has the toughest schedule coming in and I think that's going to be really tough for them. Um, they have a few road matches as well. They play at Orange County and at Los Dos. And I, I would have to think that they drop points in at least one of those, if not both, maybe a loss and a draw. So um, for them, I kind of see them as maybe finishing second, possibly third. I mean, for me, it's really going to be between us and Orange County SC for that number one spot. Um it's, I mean, we're basically mirror images of each other. We, we have 16 wins, seven losses. Orange County has six ties. Phoenix has five. That's the one point separating us. But, I mean, we even have the same goal differential on the season. It's just they seem like a team that they're able to match us. And um, 
it's going to be really tough. But I like Phoenix's chances because, as I said, they have that match against Salt Lake. They also play Reno away and Fresno away. Both of those matches are going to be tough matches for Orange County. Um, they haven't been the best on the road. And, I mean, those matches are, you know, fighting for not Fresno, but Reno's fighting for its own playoff life right now. And sometimes those teams, are uh, they just want it more. So I think that Phoenix has everything in place to win out and to get first place. But as I said, it's going to take nothing but three points from here on in because I think that, as you said, it's going to be so tight and Monarchs does have the win advantage on us. So even if we're tied on points, um, we're going to go down to them. So, I mean, I, I really, really am just so excited. I think no matter what, we will see Phoenix in that, you know, top four and get that home playoff match. I just, I want to see us finish as high as possible so we can get a continuous matches because I think that that's going to be our strong point in the playoffs is having our, our crowd behind us, you know, not many other teams have the uh, the stadium atmosphere that Phoenix has, and I think that can go a long way when margins are so thin. Yeah, um, I'm looking at our schedule. I'm looking at Orange County's schedule. I, I predict Orange County will be at 64 points going into the last match because I think they beat Real Monarchs, and the one match that they draw before that last match is probably at Fresno. Um, so that would put them at 64 going into that last one. I think we beat Sounders 2. I think we beat St. Louis and Vegas. That's 62. I feel like Colorado Springs is a tricky one. I I think that's going to be a draw. Um, And then that Reno home match, I think we can can pull that out. But that's, that's a tricky one too. Um, if we do pull that out, so say if we go, you know, four, four wins, one draw, zero losses, or four wins, um, zero draws, one loss, as long as that one loss is against Colorado Springs or Reno, I think we'll control our destiny going into that last week. Because I think the magic number that we'll want is 65 points, which means four wins from our next five matches. Uh, going into the last week, where we would be hosting Timbers 2. Monarchs, I'm looking at their schedule now because they also have six matches left. They play... They probably beat St. Louis at home. But yeah, they have... Tra- and they probably beat Colorado Springs. I think they lose to OC. Uh, they probably beat OKC at home. So that's... Wow, that is crazy. I think they're going to draw Galaxy 2. So they'll be on 63. Folks, this is going to be down to the last day. This is going to be down to the last day. I am like, honestly, 95% sure that all three teams will have a mathematical chance to win on the very last day of the season. Yeah, no, I think I think it, it'll be down to that. I think I think with us in Orange County, it could even be down to goals. I think it could be that close. You know, it's it's gonna be very tight and because the head to head, we're split in the head to head, right? Because we each have one win and a draw. Um, well, with Orange County, yes. Uh, yes. With Real Monarchs, we're losing any tiebreaker if we're on same points. So we yes, really. Correct. We really uh, need to just 
finished with more points in them. But the one thing that is hugely in our favor, um, very last day of the season, Real Monarchs has to play at Fresno. Orange County has to play at Reno. We get a home match against Timbers too. If yeah. There is, yeah. If there is a tie or if anything is close going into that last match of the season, we definitely have the edge because our matchup, I mean, take nothing from Timbers too. They're much more legitimate team than last year but they might they should already have their playoffs set by then um so i mean i think we should find a way to win that match and i would definitely you know prefer that to a late season match in reno or fresno um the fresno one if they're out of the playoffs maybe that goes a little different but i i feel like fresno always plays very hard at home and reno is going to be potentially fighting for their playoff lives um, so that's going to be, honestly, I can't remember a USL season where there's this much drama set up for the end of the season. Because Timbers 2 could even be playing for a home match in that last match. They're up to fifth. Yeah, no, and, and I was going to say, yeah, it, it may not matter for them right now, but, I mean, we'll see where they're at in the standings around then. They could drop, but, um, I mean, it's, yeah, they, they could be pushing for a home playoff match, and I think that, you know, they'll still be looking to stay in a solid form because they'll have a tough road match possibly coming up that next week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it makes for a very exciting finish to the season. You know, you look over at the East and – it's already, you know, basically been decided as far as who's going to finish first. The rest of the playoff rankings seem like they're up for grabs in the East, but uh, I mean, it's going to be very exciting to see who finishes first out in the West and who's able to clinch that, you know, Western Conference, uh, you know, route. So uh, I mean, Phoenix, as we said, it looks like you know they could finish on 65, Orange County on 64, and Monarchs on 63. So. Very, that's, very that's, tight. No, that's, that's what I'm seeing our numbers all being going into the last week. Yeah, or yeah, yes, yes, that's what I meant. And, and I mean, just being that tight, like you said, any result um, could could drastically change the rankings from one through three. So it's it's really going to be exciting. And it's I don't know if all those matches will be kicking off at the same time. I kind of hope they do just because it would make it a little bit more tense. Um, and it'd be so hard to watch after the fact and have to so, have to so for actually, that result. I actually checked this out, um, and I don't know if like certain times will change uh, between uh-huh. now and then. So, you know, there's a little more fairness. But it looks like the Reno match, the Reno um, Orange County match is going to start at six o'clock. The Monarchs match at Fresno will start at seven. Ours starts at seven thirty. Maybe they okay. change the Fresno one so it starts at the same time as us. I don't know how they're going to do that, but um, those are at least the times that Google is showing right now. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and you never know. I mean, it's it's probably up to the league's decision. They might not change it. And I mean, from a Phoenix standpoint, um, I mean, we kind of would know what we need then, at least in that situation, since we're the last game to be played. We would know what we would need to get out of that match, which could, uh, it would could go in our favor, us. but it'd be a lot of pressure. <laughs> um, man, that... Could you imagine if we win the conference on the last day because of like getting a win in that last match? That would be Yeah, it'd be, be electric. Oh my Oh, goodness. it'd be I mean, it'd be, you know, it's, it'd be the beginning of something great for Phoenix and I mean, it just I, I I think that everyone would agree we've 
they the team they've earned it this season you know they've they've put in great performances and the consistency and through all the changes and injuries and everything we've had i mean we we failed to mention it a lot we have a coach right now who did not start the season at the helm and i don't think anyone would see us performing this way when he took over way back in june so I mean, it's it's unreal right now to still be in this situation. And for Phoenix, I mean, they have they have the opportunity. It's right there. All they have to do is, you know, take advantage of it and uh, grab it with both hands. So I, I, mean, I want to know. I want to know the rising front office's stance on uh, pitch invasions because I could see some storming the pitch if e- it's the last match of the season and I would- the Western Conference. I would want that. Yeah, I think but it's got to be safe, on, but I, I want that. Yeah, I think depending on the circumstances, I don't know. It'd be interesting because because this front office, I think they're all soccer fans first. You know, they don't look at this as a business venture. They they want to see soccer here, succeed here and that's if that were to take place, I think they they themselves would probably want to be rushing that field and um would maybe have a little bit of leniency on those fans, and I uh, probably myself would would do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Same. <laughs> I I can't lie. I mean, I was there when last season when Drogba scored that last minute free kick to tie with Orange County, and I almost ran on the field then because it was just a little metal barricade preventing me, and the hype to watch the King clinch a a draw like that with an amazing free kick in person was. It was kind of unreal. I had to pinch myself. Um, so yeah, no, I uh, I think that many fans, many of the supporter groups, both the Bandidos and the Red Fury, would uh, would be pushing and would probably end up on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I mean we can we can dream and hope all yeah. we want. Yeah, yeah. the results it. are gonna dictate. Gotta take advantage of the matches in front of us and. Uh, it's it's definitely going to be a nerve-wracking fight to the finish. Um, you know, interesting stuff at the bottom of the conference, too. Teams 5 through 9 are separated by three points right now. Timbers 2 and 5th. St. Louis and 9. Someone's not going to get in out of that group. And that's a crazy thing to think about because I think all those teams have shown that they're capable of it. Do you, do you think Reno might be the odd man out? If we're going off a current current run of form, I mean, yeah, you have to look at it. I think that that all around, I think St. Louis is probably a more solid team than Reno has been, especially with uh, just their performances against tougher opponents throughout the season. Um, but I mean, it, it's going to be so tight, as you said. I mean, just in even six through nine, there's one point separating <laughs> those five teams, four teams. So I mean, it's it's really going to be a tight playoff uh, playoff finish. It seems like the two teams that are kind of locked in are, are Sacramento and Portland. It seems like they might just hold on to those four or five spots. But, um, I mean, it's it's going to be crazy. I, I kind of do see what you're seeing where St. Louis possibly overtakes Reno. I think for Reno, maybe that uh, – that t- well, actually – I'm looking at St. Louis's schedule right now, and oh my Reno has goodness. a game in hand, though. But Reno has a game in hand yeah. and the goal difference. So actually, Reno, it's in Reno's court. But I mean, still, I think, I think that St. Louis is 
is probably a better built team for playoffs. I think that they they're more likely to maybe cause an upset in that first round. Um, but their schedule is brutal. I have it up right now. They play at Monarchs, at Swope in a derby oh, match. That's gonna probably decide. Yeah. San Antonio, San Antonio at us. Uh, then they finish with Tulsa OKC at home. So those yeah, that's wins, but wow, that's still very that is, tough. That is they a have gone. three <laughs> Monarchs, Swope, and Phoenix all on the road for St. Louis. So that is wow. I did not look at that before <laughs> before I made my comments. Otherwise, I don't know how to, if I would do that yeah. because if you look at Reno. They have Las, they have LA at home, Las Vegas at home, RGV at home, Tulsa at home. Well, but then then you got to talk about oh, wow. like a, uh, a yeah. Steel Park Rangers. I mean, all those teams are still not guaranteed. Yeah. No, they're all are, in the mix. And I mean, a lot is, of those teams play each other down the stretch too. Yeah, no, it's going to be very exciting, and I mean, you got to love it when it comes down to this in a league. Um, this is what this is when soccer is its most exciting, and when you love the point system and and all the tiebreakers because it really makes every single game matter so much, and it's so entertaining to watch. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of these teams, San Antonio, Swope, Reno, or St. Louis, one of them is going to miss out on playoffs, and I think it's going to be, it might be they're on the same points and they miss out on wins or goals. I think it's going to be that close. It's uh, it's gonna be crazy for sure. Um, well, on that note, let's see if we have any supporter section questions to get to. Um, really fun discussion with the USL Western Conference and probably the most weird Pac-12 after darkish kind of uh, day in the Western Conference all year. Um, looks like no supporter section questions yet. Um, so I think. Do you have any questions that are just, you know, burning off the top of your head that you want to throw out there? Uh, yeah, because I know we would get it. Where's Drogba, and when do we see him? <laughs> uh, so that's actually exactly what we were talking about last week, and I don't know. You know what? If I had to guess now, I think maybe we're saving him for those final three home matches at the end of the season, 29th, 6th. Maybe he gets a Vegas appearance on the 10th, and then that last one against Timbers, too. That's all I can think of now, because we don't have any home matches till the 29th. I don't, I don't really see the team throwing him out there um, on a baseball diamond in Seattle or Colorado Springs, uh, where it could be chilly. So I would, I would probably expect, you know, maybe the 29th. Um, but... It, I think regardless, this team is going to be okay. Would it be nice to have him? Sure. But this is what we talked about on, on last week's episode. Uh, ultimately, it's his choice, and it doesn't seem to matter too much. Well, and I mean, I'll, I'll argue that I, I think he's still having an impact from the sidelines because we've seen him on the bench, and I think he's still, you know, he's still training with the players and talking with them and um, – yeah, I, I would agree with what you guys said last week. I mean, he's, I think he's probably being saved for most definitely that last game of the season. 
because they're already advertising it and I can guarantee you right now that game will be a sellout. So get your tickets to that Portland Timbers 2 uh, Phoenix Rising match on October the 13th because, I mean, we all know that's Drogba's regular season match and the man has a flair for the dramatic and uh, I think we'll see the best from him that night. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it really hurts us at all right now. I mean, we're... Luckily, we've been blessed with the signings, the work by the front office, and you know just the talent that we have on the squad, our depth. Um, we've been able to you know do wondrous things better than we did last season um, without Drogba, even without Drogba in Phoenix. So when he was gone for a World Cup, so I mean it's it's been great, and I think that you know when we do see him, we need to enjoy it. Um, but we also need to realize that this is a player ending his career. You know, this is basically his swan song, and we need to just, you know, not put too much pressure and expectation on him because I think that, yeah, he still does amazing things, but people want to see him go a full 90 every single week, and that's just not possible at this point. You know, he's uh, he's had his time, but I think that, it's just great to have him around the club, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next season. Um, one thing that I've actually been, you know, pondering is why Rick Schantz hasn't had the interim tag removed, and if if possibly Drogba would be interested in stepping into a managerial role, and if that's our ticket to MLS, this is all, you know, a huge spin section, you know, hot takes, but... Uh, <laughs> It's just something I've thought of because it's it's kind of makes me wonder as to what he what he does going forward. But uh, it'll be interesting, nonetheless. Yeah, uh, nonetheless, it'll be it'll be cool to see Drogba when he's out there. Because one thing we do know, he will be out there on October thirteenth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and those I'm looking forward to those rally towels. I know that Sam Dora and the team will do a great job. They always do. I mean, the promotions have just been been fantastic this season, and um, I think we could. Pr- I think we can easily break the record that night, and I would like to see us break the record and maybe have them have to bring in some uh, some extra seats for that playoff match that'll be coming up the next week. Because, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time around Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex come October. For sure. Um... Well, let's get to closing thoughts then without any uh, supporters section questions. What are your closing thoughts today? I think that we're in a great position. I mean, this has been such a positive podcast and we're coming off a tough loss. You know, I mean, last season, I think this would have never happened, but Phoenix has just, they've done so well early on, and though we, we lost a game, and we deservedly lost it last night, I think that it's it's not going to hurt us too badly. I mean, yes, we were fortunate with the results around the rest of the Western Conference, but I think that uh, it's a good time to lose for us. I think that it'll be a great motivator. I think that Schantz will, you know, he'll, he'll take the positives out of it he'll you know get to see the guys that maybe didn't put in their full effort will uh will be rested for a bit and have to have that you know want renewed in them and we'll get to see some rotation and hopefully we do see some of the younger guys start this week up in uh seattle but 
Also, I want to see a quick start. Even if we do have young guys out there, I think we can expect a lot from them because they've all uh, all been training together and all been doing well from what Sean said. So I think that uh, we just need to keep pushing. As we talked about for a while, this first place is up for grabs. Phoenix uh, has the opportunity right there. Their schedule and the other team's schedules, you know, it falls in Phoenix's favor. And um, there's nothing stopping us but ourselves. So if we can, if we can, you know, show that we're uh, we're the top team and put our best foot forward, I think that you know we can earn that first place spot, and uh, it'd be so great to see. So just you know, keep doing what we've been doing. It's going to be weird having uh, three straight road games, but you know, get out to the watch parties or throw your own watch party. Just uh, just got to keep supporting the team. For sure. And uh, all I can say here is. You know, despite the uh, tough performance yesterday, still in a very good spot with six matches left, still on track to set a club record in points, you know, club record in highest finish. Chris Cortez sets a club record in goals for a single season, which is amazing. Um, so there's a lot of good happening right now, and, and Solomon Asante hopefully gets USL Player of the Month. So, you know, really to be at that next level compared to even where we were this time last year is so cool to see. And, um, you know, get excited because this last month is going to be nuts going into the playoffs. And especially with the three home matches right there at the very end, um, what a perfect way to end the season. And, oh, my goodness, I, I really do think that it's going to come down to the last day for those top three teams and for the bottom of the conference. And that's just good for the game. I want to see scenes. I want to be part of scenes. Yeah, yeah. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. There's gonna be a lot of scoreboard watching, a lot of people checking their phones and you know yelling out scores. So it's it's gonna be fun. I mean, it's I think it's great for the league. It just brings about so much more. Uh, you know, proves the competitiveness of this league. You know, they're they want to be the top second division in the world and i think that we're we're getting there because they are uh, they're putting together great great clubs and great performances and um yeah i mean just really looking forward to it as you said a great time and just uh super exciting to see the growth of this club because compared to last season we've we've achieved you know what we've wanted to so far but we all know that the uh the ultimate goal is the usl cup so we got to keep pushing to get there Definitely. Um, well, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, and thanks to our sponsor, the Arizona Sports Complex, uh, with their location at the 101 and the 17 um, up in Glendale. It's a great spot to join a league, whether you're, you know, older, younger, everywhere in between. They have leagues for you. They have air conditioning. Um, indoor soccer is a blast up there. They have two great fields um, and even some Arizona Impact matches coming up. Professional indoor soccer, that's not too far away. So go up to the Arizona Sports Complex, let them know that we sent you, and you can get a discount on your annual membership. But that's going to do it for this week. Um, as always, go rising. Go rising.
And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.